great to be back. Great to be back at Refresh. Uh, great to see your faces. Um, the smile I have on my face just turns up when, I, when I'm not necessarily speaking, but when we're seeing, seeing you guys turn up to Refresh, it's pretty cool to be here uh, with you. Uh, the reason we have, um, the reason we have uh, our little set, it's not much of a set, but we've got, a, you know, we've got no expense spared. We've just gone and got the old you know, sort of dodgy bollards from out there in the car park and a few things. And, you know, we've, gone, we've gone all out for our set uh, for this series called uh, Mind the Gap. And what we're all about, just going to give you a recap. I know there's a few people who have been here for the last two, two weeks when we've done this. There's also a few new faces, I think, that are here for the first time. So I'm just going to give you a quick recap on what we're all about. So basically we're talking about the, the series we have is called Mind the Gap. And it's coming along the concept of, you know what, it actually pays, we're actually better off when we put a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of distance between ourselves and something very dangerous. Now I'm going to throw up a uh, definition of a guardrail, and that's sort of what we're talking about. We're talking about these guardrails, and, and guardrails are there to sort of direct and protect. But here's a, here's a guardrail straight off, uh, straight off our friend Wiki site. A system designed to keep people us or vehicles or end vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. Pretty straightforward. Okay, so, so something, that, something that puts us in a safe zone. Now typically, if you think about, you drive along the road, typically a guardrail is in an area that is actually safe. Okay, so if you drive along the road, careful with that Murray, <laughs> it's dangerous. Uh, if you're driving along the road, uh, typically the, a guardrail is actually on the safe part of the road. Like there's typically a little bit more left before you go over the edge. All right, so it's actually this little buffer zone, uh, and and that's that's a sort of important thing. We've sort of spun that a little bit, and we've, we're using that same concept of guardrails uh, to talk about our personal life, to talk about about things in our life that that you know what that can get us into a bit of trouble and. Probably everyone has got into sort of some predicament in their life where they've gone, oh, you know what, I really wish that hadn't happened. I regret that taking place. But like it happened and whatever, but I really wish it hadn't. So we're going to throw up a um, next slide there. This is sort of our, our personal definition. Uh, so this is a personal, so we're talking about a guardrail in our personal lives. And this is, the definition we're using is a personal standard of practice that's become a matter of conscience. And what we mean by that is something in our mind when, it, when, when we're doing life or whatever, we can set up these little triggers, these little points in our life that when we bump up against this guardrail, we go, oh, we're probably a little bit too close. Now, of course, we always like to live right on the edge, but the guardrail puts it in place where it gives us that little buffer. So if we end up tripping over, we don't crash and burn, but we, we're still, yeah, like if you bump up, if you, if, I don't know if anyone's ever hit a guardrail in their car, uh, and not pretty, but not as bad as it might have been as if you went over the cliff or if you went into oncoming traffic. So you get the concept? Not too bad? Right. Um, just go to the next slide there, please. Uh, thank you, Richo. Uh, now, last week, Simo, I just want to run through these real quick. Just a really little, little recap. Get my tongue around that. Uh, last week, Simo threw a few of these ideas up. These are not like from the Bible, all right, but here's something, some practical stuff that we can use, okay? Um, these, are, these are examples of what we're talking about. When your core group isn't moving in the same direction you want to be moving, little red flag should go up. Okay, so when people around you aren't doing what you're doing, you know what, you're probably the one that's going to be compromising. You're probably the one that's going to get a bit close to the edge. That's a guardrail. Next one uh, is when you're pretending to be someone other than who you really are. Hmm, maybe you're not really being true to yourself. 
These are just recaps, okay? So I'm not going to spend much time on these, but this gives you a little bit of history of where we've been with this. When you feel pressure to compromise, red flag. Number four, I go, I'll go, but I won't participate. If you find yourself going, oh, no, no, I'll just go, but I won't, I won't get involved. Mm, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a pretty handy guardrail. That's a pretty, pretty good little place to have a, uh, a red flag go up. Hiding, if you begin to hide things from the ones that you love, might not have even been doing anything wrong, but if you begin to say, hey, look, um, I, I, you know, I don't really want to explain or you hope you can avoid the topic or you hope you know, your wife or your partner or your friends or whoever it might be, I just hope they don't ask because I don't really want to tell them. There's a guardrail. Okay. So that's sort of where we've been. Um, and we look, I'll just give just one more slide there. I think it was Proverbs, this is a, this is a text we used last week, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk, uh, walk with the wise and become wise for a, for a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, you hang out with people who are doing dodgy stuff, that's where you're going to go. Okay, all right, so that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the little wrap-up, that's the, that's the summary of what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, this week, um, this week we're going to hit a fairly, I guess, a sensitive topic, and, and I, I, guess, I guess this is sort of... Maybe it's a little bit more than PG rated, it's a bit more M rated, okay, and I guess we feel we can do that because we've, uh, I'll say this in sincerity here because our kids aren't here, I can't see any kids here, alright, nothing too saucy, but like, um, but, but it's a topic that affects us all. Uh, and guardrails can be used, like I said, in all arenas of life. Um, we've talked about a few. Uh, they can be used, for instance, in our academic life. Um, I know when I was... When I was at uni, I remember uh, I was never a good student. I don't know why I've mixed up with a school right now, but like that's just how it goes. Maybe it's like this is the example of what you don't want to do. You know, that's just, that's maybe that's my that's my purpose of being at North Pine. But when I was at uni, I was always the, the student who handed stuff in late, uh, always like doing last minute. But you know, at the end of, you know at the end of the week, it's Thursday night. Oh my goodness, stuff's due Friday. There was this one time, uh, and I wish I had a guardrail. When you look back, I think, I wish I, wish I had a guardrail on this point, but I didn't. Would have been really handy. I remember there was a, I did this uh, subject that went for the whole year, two-semester subject, okay? It went for the whole entire year. So obviously, if you fail that subject, you come back next year. And being a fourth-year subject already, it was like, well, that means another year. So it's big pressure on this one subject. It's a whole heap of things. Um, for those who don't know, I studied agriculture, okay? Farm boy stuff. So I had um, collections of plants and all sorts of stuff I had like all this information on different things and you know blah 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 and it was due at five o'clock on Friday afternoon no worries and I'm in the car park at 4.30 right putting all this stuff together I'm in the library trying to and I'm getting all my stuff and, and I had to go and hand it in before five o'clock and the rule was if it's if it's not in at five o'clock the doors lock you're stuffed basically there is no that's it it's just zero and it was it was nearly it wasn't quite hundred percent it was eighty odd percent I think on this one assessment so it was just it was everything this was the subject and I remember I made it, it was like 4.50 p.m. And I'm like, oh man, I'm just there, mate. I'm sweating, I'm nervous, I'm, I'm just stressed out uh, because I'd left all this stuff the last minute. And of course, it's not quite, there's always more you could have done because you're just like, no, nah, I've just got to throw it in and hopefully, hopefully you get a pee. Um, pee fuss, please get degrees, all that, that's how I work. Anyway, I remember going up to the, to the, to the room, to the building where I had to, to hand this assignment in and... All I do is walk in the door, turn right, and that's where I had to put all this stuff, and there was a slot where I had to put all the assignment papers, um, and then walk out again. 4.50, I remember looking at my watch, I walk up to the room, went to open the door, and it's already locked. 
I think, no, you're kidding. Like, like, and I'm just thinking, oh, and then all of a sudden, it's, I should have done this earlier. I should have started earlier. Why didn't I? Why shouldn't I? Like, if only I could. All these questions, like, oh, my goodness. And I thought, I'm just, I can't believe it. No, it can't be locked. It's still 4.50. I'm looking at my clock. My clock's not like 10 minutes out. If it was one or two minutes, I could understand. It's not 10, definitely not. I'm looking around for windows. I'm like, what do you do now? And then I went to plan B, and this is a trick that we might have used a few times before, and that is we always used to be fairly good mates with security, and we sort of made that deliberate because they always had keys, um, which they could unlock doors after hours. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to have to pull that card. Uh, and I'm, but I'm really, I'm just like, I'm cut. I'm really disappointed. I'm thinking, I wish I had it. Why didn't I? If only I had to put stuff in place beforehand. And, and I remember, just gave the door one more rattle, and I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, man, this is like another year of university just because I didn't get it in on time. Basically, that was it. And I rattled the door one more time, and then I heard footprints footsteps coming, through, coming up the hallway and I thought, oh, someone's still in there. And this guy opened the door and it was one of my classmates. I'm like, what the? Oh well. <laughs> anyway, so I put my stuff there and I said to, I said to this guy, I said, what are you doing here? Like, where's the lecture? You know, where's his staff? And they're going, oh no, they're all gone. I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I knew I wasn't going to finish on time. He said, so I've hidden the storeroom. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> it's going to give you an extra couple of hours. He said, I've got about two or three hours left here, mate. He said, so I'm, I just hid in the storeroom until they all left and then on come the lights and he's, he's working away doing his stuff. <laughs> if only we had guardrails in our life. Good luck, mate. See you later. There's my assignment. I got a credit for that one, by the way. I thought I did all right. All areas of our life, if only we put stuff in place that took us back just that little bit from the edge. Just that list, because we always seem to get, you know, I was five, 4.50, you know, I was like 10 minutes from, from falling off. I was 10 minutes from the whole life being adjusted for a year. Um, it could be finance. Sometimes we like to just max the credit card out or we just want to go, we go to the bank and say, how much can I borrow? And they give us an amount and you think, well, I can't really afford that, but but maybe I can have another 10 grand as well. You know, like we always try and just try and get as much as we possibly can. Um, it might be uh, friendships. Maybe we sometimes we, we take things too far. Maybe it's ethics. Um, maybe it's like, you know, your work ethic and you're always trying to get, a, you know, trying to get away with as much as you can. So these, well, these are the sort of things that, that if we put guardrails in place in our life, that we just bring ourselves back from that edge a little bit so when we trip over or when something doesn't quite go to plan, we don't crash and burn. That's not really, that's, that's all great, but that's not probably really the direction I want to take this talk to this morning. What I really want to talk about is, is morality. And there's a whole room full of people here. Some of us are single, never been married, never had a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever. That's cool, all right, this is for you. Some of us might be dating, boyfriend, girlfriend. This is for you. Some of us might be married, might be not long married. This is for you. Some of us might be married many years. This works for you as well. Okay, so, so we're going to talk about and, and, and talk about how, how these guardrails can come into play uh, when it comes to this because let me, let me, I'll tell you why we sort of singled this one out. With these other things I just talked about, you know, academic, friends, time, um, work ethic, all this sort of stuff. You can usually, after you've, after something bad's gone wrong, give us a, enough time, give me six months or a year or a couple of years later, you can have a giggle about it, right? You can go, oh yeah, well, I remember when I was really slack and we used to like try and get away with whatever at work and we got fired and <laughs> you know, had a bit of a joke about it, you know? 
Has that happened to someone? Is that what you got? <laughs> like, you know, you can have a bit of a laugh about it later and you go, yeah, yeah, that was pretty stupid what I did. You know, I shouldn't do that again. You know, I've learned my lesson. And you can have a bit of a laugh about it. And you can sit around, you know, sharing stories. When it comes to sexuality, when it comes to morality, typically, the laughter stops. In fact, no one even really talks about it because I'll tell you why. Because there's something a bit different about that. There's something a bit different about the mistakes that we make in that area. Now, there might be people here who go, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm not going to put your hand up, please. Put your hand up. But there might be people here, here that, that have made those sort of mistakes. And that's like, what's done is done. And, and you know, we have, a, we have a God who forgives us no matter who you are and no matter where you've been. And that's, and that's like just an amazing and wonderful part of it, uh, being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to make sure there's no, you know, and Jesus came and he said, look, I didn't come to condemn the world, I came to save it. He said, I didn't come to, to point out the problems that you have, but he said, I've come because I see that you're in a bit of a situation and I want to get you out of it. And I want to approach this topic in that light this morning. Not, not I'm here to like, oh, yeah, mate, you know, you should have put a guardrail in place and if you didn't do that, then, you know, you're an idiot and all that sort of stuff. Don't want to go there, right? But here are hopefully something helpful that is helpful and is practical for each of us. And I, and, I, and I think, what's the point of opening the Bible? What's the point of looking at Scripture if it doesn't actually help us in our life? And that's why we're talking about what we're talking about. I hope this can be helpful to you. I hope this can be practical, that you can actually go, oh, wow, yeah, I can see how the Bible is interacting with my life. And I see how if I do some of these things, I will live a better life. It will be better for me. All right, I've been yabbering on. Let's talk about the Bible. Um, some of the stuff you might feel is extreme. Some of the stuff you might go, oh, what the? Like, isn't that a bit extreme, Neil? And I'll go, mm, yep. But so are the consequences. If you get it wrong, so are the consequences. And I guess that's why we're going where we're going. All right. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. We're going to throw that up there. Just before we read that, I'll give you a little bit of context. Okay, Paul here is talking, is a, is, this is a, Paul is one of the Bible writers, wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. He is uh, writing a letter to the people of Corinth. Okay, so it's a specific, here's, some, here's, some, here's a letter to a specific group of people. And this is what this letter is. Now, they had a few issues with, with their morality. And he's writing and he's saying, hey, look, you need to think about this because this is how it works. And this is where we pick up this story, okay? Uh, if you've got time, we always say it, go back and read, go back and read the context for yourself. We don't have time to go through the whole thing right here, right now. We're going to pick out one part, but we want to keep it in context for you guys. Go home to Savo or whatever it is, or if I do, sort of jabber on too long and get bored and you can read for yourself, whatever it is. Uh, but read the context of what this is. So here, um, Paul is writing to the, Corinth, the people of Corinth, uh, and he's talking about morality. And he's basically saying um, that these guys need to make sure that they understand that Christ is a part of their life. And with Christ a part of their life, morality is a very important thing. And to have sex in a way that God designed it is a very important issue. And particularly when, it, I guess, this, this whole theme interacts with the guardrail uh, scenario and it actually makes, starts to make sense. And Paul... Okay, he didn't call it a guardrail, but he gets what we're talking about, or we get what Paul's talking about when we use this guardrail um, analogy, this parallel. Verse 18 says, Flee sexual immorality. Full stop. 
and we could probably just pray and say amen, all right? <laughs> because he, here it is, he says, flee sexual... He doesn't just say, don't go there. He's saying, this is what I want you to do. And I want, that very first word is a very important word. He says, flee sexual immorality. He says, don't even get close. And like I said, whether, whether you're at high school or you know, you've never had a boyfriend-girlfriend scenario or you've been married or whatever, wherever you're at in life, same thing. Flee sexual immorality. Don't just, don't get... People ask questions uh, and they'll say, well, how far can you go before it's a sin? All right? Or, you know, if you're a Christian person, your sin is like when you're doing the wrong thing, you know, that sort of stuff. How, how far, you know, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to sex and all that sort of stuff, how, can, how far do you have to go before it's like a sin? Isn't that the wrong question? If you're looking at guardrails, wouldn't you like not want to get right close to the edge? It's that, well, when, what, what things do I put in place that I never get that close? Because the fact is, when you're really close to it, it's really hard to say no. If you set your guardrails, if you set... You set a, if you set a bit of a, a line a few steps back, then you're not going to get as close to the problem as, as if you went, oh, well, I'll just see how close I can get before it really is the wrong thing. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Paul here is saying pretty clearly, he's saying there's something different. There's something different about a sexual sin. And that is, it's a sin against yourself. You're actually hurting yourself. It's actually like, it's like it's, it, there's something worse than everything else. That's basically seven. Verse, uh, the next verse there, verse 19. Uh, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? All right, and if you've been around church circles for a while, if you've grown up as a Christian of whatever flavour, uh, you might have heard this verse, okay? There's this, okay, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and maybe your mum or dad or someone said, you know, don't do that, don't you realise you shouldn't smoke because your temple's the body of the Holy Spirit? And, and you're like, I don't even know what that means or whatever. But here Paul is saying, don't you realise uh, that, that, uh, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and he says, who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. He's saying, the Holy Spirit literally, when you take on Christ, the Holy Spirit literally dwells within you. No, that's not too bad. We ask people, you know, may the Spirit be with you, all this sort of stuff. You know, like the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit actually, actually lives inside us, actually is with us. And when you sin sexually, like, you're sinning against God. Um, verse, next verse there, verse 20. You were, bought with, you were bought at a price, therefore honour God with your bodies. Jesus Christ laid his body on the line. Jesus Christ put his body on a cross and was killed for us. Like it was a physical thing. And Paul turns around and uses that and says, because Jesus Christ put his body on the line, look after your own body. Be careful with your own body. Don't you realise that the, that the Holy Spirit actually dwells in your body and, and that sexual sin is a sin worse than all other. Verse 18 said, flee sexual immorality. Um, run away from it. Don't get caught up in it. So here's the question. We talked about how we can use guardrails in our life. We talked about, like, like I said, we could spend a lot, uh, a lot longer here in this, in this Bible passage. Go back and read it for yourself. Look at the context. Go over it. Go over it a few times and see what you can get out of it. But the, but the punchline is right there in verse 18. When it comes to sexual sin, run, go away, run, 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 run. Don't, 
It's like flee. It's not just don't. Like Paul's trying to get across. Like, if, like who flees? When do you see someone fleeing? When they're in real, real danger. Like, you know, you think of a movie scene when someone's fleeing. You know, someone might be chasing them with, you know, whatever's, whoever's, whatever, you know, like in a car. And a, you know, you can think of a movie scene. You've probably watched everyone. There's other people stood up before when Sarah said, you know, who likes movies? So you can think of a movie scene where someone's fleeing. Someone's always fleeing in a movie scene. Or nearly always fleeing in a movie scene. You know, there's always that scene of someone, this big chase scene. Why do you flee? Because you know that you're in imminent danger. There's something real bad. If you don't get out of there real quick, you know that there's going to be something real bad going on real soon. And so he says, flee sexual immorality. And I guess the sec- so he says, run. Don't, don't hang around. Don't look back. Don't, don't, you know, don't turn twice. Just get out of there. You know that if you don't do this, you could get caught up. Sexual immorality. The next question I guess you ask yourself from this verse 18 is, what is sexual immorality? How does the Bible describe sexual immorality? Um, And if you read just before that, the text just before that, it fills you in, but certainly many other parts of the Bible as well, where it basically talks about anything sexual outside of a relationship, a lifelong relationship, is is immorality. That's, That's immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Anything outside... That lifelong marriage, that lifelong relationship is sexual immorality uh, between a man and a woman. Flee immorality. That's what he says. And again, again, as I said to start with, I'm not here to, we're not here to point fingers. We're so not here to... We're here because, you know what? The reason we say this stuff is because I think this might be helpful for all of us, me included. Uh, and I'm not talking about whether you've done stuff, or, but I'm talking about, hey, we all, all of us are tempted, if you want to use all of us are alert to that sort of stuff. Like, you just turn the, ad, turn the telly on, particularly after, you know, 9 o'clock or whenever the ratings change on the ads, and, uh, but not even then, but, you know, there's advertising. The whole world is full of sexuality. It's full of, like, sex sell stuff. You know, it just, it's, it's out there. Like, the, the reason they put thousands and millions of dollars into that stuff, because it works. All right? That's us. That's, that's normal. That's just, that's just how we wide up. That's how it's... What Paul's saying here is, is run. Is run from that sort of stuff. Because he says, run for that sort of stuff because I know, and, you know, God knows what's best for us. God knows the best thing um, that can happen for us. That's the guardrail. Flee from sexual immorality. That's the punchline. So, how do we make that, how do we make that practical? Um, now, you might be thinking, righto, this is, this is, you know, Neil speaking, this is like, you know, what... You might, you might be here for the first time thinking, what, do they talk about this stuff all the time? Well, no, not really, but, you know, sometimes. And you might think, well, that's a pretty conservative sort of approach. That's, you know, like, culture's very different. Yep, culture is very different to that. But as I said before, there is a God who says, I, I made sex, I designed it, I created it. I want you to experience it in the best possible way. I'm not here to try and, you know, to, to try and rob you of an experience. He said, I want to give you something much better. Okay, so guardrails. How can we um, how can we put that sort of stuff in place? Now I've got a few, like Simo did last week. He came up with a few ideas of, of what we can do to make this practical. Uh, and I've got a few lists up here, and they're not my own. I've flogged them off someone else, uh, as I typically do with a lot of our stuff here, um, to, to bring to you. But I've got a few ideas of things that we can put in place that will protect. And again, if you're 
single, never had a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, or if you've been married for ages, or anyone in the middle, um, it can apply to all. So I've got a, I've got a, a list of, um, of stuff that we're going to throw up. Now, the first list is specifically for married people, okay? And then I'm going to have a single person's list, all right? So don't feel like you're left out if you're single or whatever, okay? So everyone wins here. Uh, so the, first of all, we're going to have a married list. Now, here are some things that you might consider, and I would suggest that you consider, and there will be other things that you can add to this, okay? Now, remember a guardrail is something that you, a personal, a, a, a personal decision, a conscious decision that you say, when this happens, there's going to be a red flag and maybe I'm getting a little bit close. Okay, keep that in mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, everyone just nod a little bit, make sure you're awake. Okay, good. Um, so the first one, this is a married person's list, okay? So if you're married, think about this. All right, thanks, Richo. Don't eat alone with a person of the opposite sex. Now, you, you might be going, what? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's, that's, like, that's too extreme. Okay. Let's just say we're putting a movie together. All right, let's say we're building a plot to a movie. And, and there's, a married, there's two married people who are seen in this movie eating alone. And they might be just having, let's say they're just having coffee together or something like that. And then the next scene you see them actually having a meal together, having a dinner together or something like that. And I'm talking about romantical, I'm just talking about maybe a work thing or maybe a, you know, just a casual thing. Or what, like I'm not talking about like, you know, candlelit dinners and all this sort of stuff, long walks on the beach or whatever Sarah was going on about this morning. I'm not talking about that, all right? I'm just talking about just, this is just normal behaviour of everyday life stuff. Okay, and then the next scene is is like these people eating, you know, they they they, they had coffee together. Now they're having to dinner together, <clears throat> and then they're like driving in a car together. Where's the plot going? You already know where the plot's going, don't you? Right? You already understand. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that sounds really bad in the microphone, but uh, you already know where the plot's going. You already know what's going to happen next. How it plays out exactly. Yeah, we'll see. Well, let's keep, keep watching the movie. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, when, when people begin to do this stuff, so wouldn't it be great to put a guardrail in place? Wouldn't it be great to say, right, over here, right here, right here, right now, let's not do that. Let's not even go there. Let's not even tempt. And I'm not talking about if we did have a meal together with someone or you got caught out or whatever, like it's going to be the end of the world. But that's the guardrail. That's like if, if I trip over now, nothing happens. Or if you broke through, you know, if you actually did have that, well, nothing happens because there's guardrails in place. And, and I don't want to take it any... Does that make sense? Take it any further. All right. That's just, <clears throat> that's just one little idea. Don't start. Here's a really big one. And like I said, I'm trying to keep these practical and just dealing with this flee immorality, all right? So we're talking about how can we... When we're talking about fleeing immorality, as Paul's talking about in First Corinthians 6, verse 18, how do we bring this into everyday life? That's what we're trying to do here. Don't counsel someone of the opposite sex or don't confide, don't you confide in someone of the opposite sex be real honest, this is how many uh, inappropriate relationships begin by just this. Now, it might be someone at work and you might, be get, you might get on really well with this person of the opposite sex at work or something like that and that's, that's good, that's fine, all good. But when you start counselling them or when you start giving them advice maybe, you know, if, you're, if I'm a bloke and someone comes up and starts saying, oh, my husband, he's this and that and I go, oh, mate, he sounds like a moron, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, they're going... Oh, will you understand me now? I'm going, well, you know, like, like it's just, you can see where it goes, right? All of a sudden it becomes inappropriate. Keep this in mind. Don't ever begin to counsel or don't ever, if you really, really want to help them, go and get help for them. Go and find someone who, of the same sex, you know, if it's on a bloke and a, a, a female comes to me, then go and find someone else um, to help them, not 
not you personally, if you really, really want to be serious about helping them. Because so often uh, relationships begin because they're already in a vulnerable position, they're hurting in some way, and it could be, you know, it could be really something completely innocent, it could be you know, a death or grief in a family or something like that, but somewhere along the line, you begin to show uh, you know, sympathy and all that sort of stuff, and you begin to cross boundaries that you wouldn't normally cross. Okay. Number three, when you feel your heart's desire drifting towards someone, as in, you know, every now and then you might catch yourself thinking, oh, hang on, I'm married. I remember I'm talking to married people right now. Hang on, I'm married, but like, if ever that happens, tell someone about it. It doesn't even have to be your spouse, necessarily, immediately. Tell someone. Now that's, um, that's pretty brave, right? That's pretty big. But so are the consequences if you don't. So are the consequences if you try and do this all alone. And account- someone, having someone who's accountable can help you in this. Alright, so there's, there's, a, there's a married person's list. Okay, <clears throat> single people, ready for it? Okay, single people. Follow Matthew 5 and gouge out your eyes because <laughs> it says whatever causes you to sin, cut it off. Okay, so, and I'll just pray the benediction. Now, let's... I think that might be a figure of speech, just for the record. All right, let's go for a list. I couldn't help but put that in there. Um, single people, apply that same list that we just went with married people if you ever encounter a married person. A married person. Okay, so if you're single, don't go and have lunch with someone who's married or don't, don't counsel or don't confide in someone who's married. Okay, not alone, alone. I mean, you can go on as a group, whatever, that's what, but alone. Don't go and all of a sudden begin there. Okay, now here's a few other things. No sleepovers. Okay, I've got a few kids there in primary school, they do sleepovers, don't do sleepovers. Okay, just saying, all right? Um, now, some of you might be thinking, well, you might be pushing back and you might be going, well, hang on, Neil, this is all a bit extreme, all that sort of stuff. So are the consequences. Number three, and then I'll talk a bit more about the consequences. If dating equals sex, then get out of that dating scene, whatever scene that you're in. If dating equals sex, and, and like if you look at popular culture, you know, some people go down the line of even saying, well, you haven't even had a date unless you have sex at the end of it. All right? If that's where you're at, get out of that scene. Because that's immorality. That's not what God wants it to be. It's not that God's trying to cut you off and stop you from having fun. That's not it at all. That's not what God had in mind. There's something much, much better. Now, single people in the room... Those things up there, you might think, wow, a bit extreme, that's pretty full on. But if your parent were in the room, and I apologise for those one or two people whose parents are in the room, um, they're probably thinking, that's not extreme enough, right? Like, <laughs> you're probably thinking, you know, we're saying, we're saying let's, take about, you know, let's take a step back, a couple of steps away from the edge. They're saying, no, take about 10 or 20 steps, you know? And you know that because you've already heard your mum or dad say, right, somewhere along the line you've heard, no, you're not, getting, you're not having a boyfriend until you're 25 or something like that, right? So they already, they're already doing this, right? And that's, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they muck it. They might even joke or they might be serious, I don't know. I'll tell you why they say that. It's because they've seen the consequences. And it might be personal, it might be someone else they know or whatever, but they have seen the consequences of what happens when you step across the line. They have seen the consequences of what happens when you don't flee immorality. It's a big thing. 
the consequences of what happens with immorality can last a lifetime. Yep, God forgives? Absolutely. God heals? Absolutely. But I'll be real honest, and I think if, 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 you, if you guys know of anyone who's had issues with this, if you, if, if you could have a frank and open discussion, it would be fairly, be fairly common, I think. But even though there's forgiveness, even though there can be healing, there's nearly always scars. There's stuff that's left over. There's baggage that carries on and that, ha- that will carry on you know, maybe for the rest of their lives. It's a big topic. Um, guardrails. So these are, like I said, these, these, aren't, these aren't thus said the Lord. It's not in you know, some book of the Bible where this sort of stuff. But, and you might be able to add some different points of your own. But what is it in your mind that you can put in place that says, you know what, when I get this close, when, when I, before I get to the edge, before it, before it actually happens, it might be, don't drive. Don't even get in the same car as someone of the opposite sex alone if you're not married, if you're married. If you're not married, that may be a great time to get to know each other. You know, it's a different scenario, but you know what I'm saying. Um... How can, excuse me, how can we just take a few steps back and put this stuff in place? Because, and this is, this is where I'll finish, when we trip up, when we fall over the edge, when we forget about this whole let's flee immorality bit, when we, you know, we go, well, I'm, I'm cleverer than that, I can, I can get pretty close to the edge and I know when to stop. I can, I can pull myself up, you know, if that's, what you, if that's where you're at, well, good luck with that, just saying. But when we do fall over, when we do crash and burn, particularly on this issue, there's nearly always a whole heap of regret. I wish I never. If only I didn't. If I didn't put myself into that situation, if only I hadn't have gone with, or if only I hadn't have engaged in, uh, if only I fill in your own blank. And there's typically a whole heap of regret that goes along with that. Now, when it comes to these guardrails, when it comes to some of these so-called extreme actions, you'll never regret that. You will never regret not doing that stuff. You will regret the consequence, but you won't regret this. You might think at the time, thinking, oh, yeah, a bit extreme, a bit weird, a bit harsh, you know. But you won't regret the guardrail. You won't regret <coughs> that there's something in place that when you bumped up against it, you went, ooh, you haven't done anything wrong yet. Nothing's gone bad. There's nothing, there's nothing to report into. There's no forgiveness necessary, but you've gone, oh, maybe I'll just back off a little bit. I've bumped into that. I've bumped into that scenario. Maybe I'll back into that. Again, <coughs> excuse me, as, as we said right at the start, if, that has been, if, if there's been stuff in your life with sexual or other things that has played a bit of a part and you wish had never happened, and there is regret there, I want to say so plainly and so, so clearly two things. One is there is no condemnation. There's no, like, there's no judgment here. Jesus didn't come to judge. Jesus didn't come to like point fingers. He just said, I see that you're in a mess. I'm here to get you out. Let's go and let's do this together. And the other great thing is that he does give us new beginnings. And he gives us new starts. And we, we, can, and we can start again no matter where we're at. And I've already said, sometimes there's a little bit of baggage and there's a bit of scarring that goes with that. Um, that's probably reality. But at the same time, we can look towards Jesus and we can go, you know what, I'm so grateful that he put his body on the line for us, that he died on the cross for us, 
that we might be able to have something much, much better and we can try again and do our life and live life the way that he designed it to be. And that's a cool place. I don't know anyone like that person. I don't know another person that has an attitude like that of Jesus Christ who can just come in and say, no matter what you've done, I don't care. But let's go from here because I just want to do life with you. I want to love you. I want to love you to bits. I already love you to bits, but I want to show you that and I want to do life with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for being so fantastic, for so great. I want to thank you for the advice that you give. And, and Paul, who wrote here to the Corinthians, and, and you know, when we really get into what that means, it's um, just solid, practical, everyday advice. And I pray that we can put that into practice. And I pray that we can not just go here going, oh, yeah, that's something to think about, but, hmm, all right. If need be, what do I need to change? Uh, and prayerfully with you and with your partner or, or with friends if you're not married, whoever it is, may we be able to do that. May we think about that seriously and have those things in place. Not that we can um, have a boring life, but that we can have a life and a life to the full and we can have it the way that you meant it to be and you designed it to be. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for these fantastic people to refresh. May you please just give them a fantastic week. Uh, and may their lives be full, full of your spirit and full of joy and happiness. Amen.